Hey, uh, Pastor Tim, Pastor Rhonda are vacationing, and uh, you know, uh, they may be watching now, or they, maybe they're at church where they're at, and, uh, but I'm sure he'll tune in just to critique me and give me a hard time when he gets back. But uh, no, he's, he's a great guy, and uh, don't you appreciate your pastors? <laughs> Pastor Tim, Pastor Rhonda, we love you, and uh, I thank you for the opportunity to share God's Word today. Don't take this lightly. I'm looking out, and uh, when the youth left, half the congregation is gone. They're doing good with the youth, man. Yeah, it's awesome. Hey, to stay in the the vein of of laughing, let me share this with you before I get into the the message. Uh, It's entitled, Imitators of God. And uh, by the way, if you go to the YouVersion app, the notes are there for you. Go to the bottom where the little lines are, tap that. Events, Cornerstone should come up. And then uh, you, you'll, if you save those, you'll have the notes from Pastor Luke's message, a great message this morning. And then also, Imitators of God will be there for you. You can follow along. But this uh, one, you may have heard this one before, but a pastor once asked his church to pray that God would shut down a neighborhood bar. The whole church gathered for an evening prayer meeting, pleading with God to rid the neighborhood of the evils of this bar. A few weeks later, lightning struck the bar and it burned to the ground. Having heard about the church's prayer crusade, the bar owner promptly sued the church. When the court date finally arrived, the bar owner passionately argued that God struck his bar with lightning because of the church members' prayers. The pastor pastor backtracked, brushing off the accusations. He admitted the church prayed, but he also affirmed that no one in his congregation really expected anything to happen. (laughs) The The judge leaned back in his chair, a mix of amusement and perplexity on his face. Finally, he spoke. I can't believe what I'm hearing. Right in front of me is a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer and a pastor who doesn't. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Well, that is a joke, but uh, sadly, you know, uh, I don't know if I pray enough. I'd be willing to guess that most of us in this room do not pray enough. Amen. So I'm going to rebuke you a little bit today on that. So get ready. Uh, The youth, uh, the the, uh, IMA, many years ago, uh, we had some, some interns that uh, they were adventurous. They were adventurous. And uh, a couple of them got into trouble all the time. They were breaking, putting holes in walls. You know, they're just reckless. They didn't do it intentionally. Uh, but as a facility manager, I started to get a little irritated that they're causing a lot of work for me. So uh, when I'd catch them being reckless, I'd kind of straighten them out, you know, with my smooth, soothing voice. (laughs) Well, they coined that when Pastor Steve uh, gave them the uh, correction. They coined it getting Kaysered. So Kaysered's my last name, you didn't know. So, uh, so So I heard about that. And then one day we're up in the pole barn. Pastor Jeff and I, we were setting a stage for something. We had to get some stuff down from the storage. And uh, so we got the 
the young people over there to help us, you know. I'm old, and there's lots of stairs, and that stuff's heavy. So we get the young people over there, and uh, Pastor Jeff's telling them, now, remember, when you go through the church there, don't bump into the walls with this stuff, you know, or you're going to cause a lot of extra work. I said, yeah, if, if you do that, you're going to get kazered. And the looks on their faces, the big eyes, they didn't know I knew about that. So as I walked down the stairs, kind of grinning ear to ear, I could hear him say, I didn't know he knew that. I didn't know. Pastor Jeff says, there's not much that that man doesn't know. So you better be on your toes. Amen? (laughs) So you're going to be on your toes today. (laughs) Imitators of God. I'm going to read you some verses out of the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, and a little later, chapter 6. So we're going to go through Ephesians quickly. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, isn't that lofty? Oh, my gosh. Paul, what what a great writer. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, of course. Ephesians 4.32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma, for a sweet-smelling aroma. And may God bless the word today to your hearts. You know, we're living in the last days. Our pastors mentioned that. Pastor Anthony Ramsey, who was with us last week, mentioned it. We're in the end of the end times. We're living in perilous times. The world is filled with confusion and chaos. Amen? It's just crazy out there. People are searching for answers, but looking in the wrong places. Kind of reminds me of a country song. We have the answer to the confusion and chaos, but... Are we part of the problem? Are we presenting Jesus Christ to our world via the love of God? Just ask yourself that today. Pastor Luke in the first service said that uh, he thought Pastor Ramsey was reading his sermon notes. And I saw him between services. I said, yeah, and you've been reading mine because our messages dovetail. If you were here in the first service, You'll see how they dovetail, and only the Holy Spirit can do that. I had no idea what Pastor Luke was preaching on. He had no idea what I was going to talk about. So I got some questions for you. Against what or whom am I fighting? So ask yourself this. Against what or whom am I fighting? Or am I even fighting? Well, I hope you're fighting because you're a soldier of the Lord's army, right? Remember, though... Who is your enemy? Who is the enemy? Another question, how am I expending my energy? What gets the majority of my attention? What is reigning in my heart? Is it hatred toward evildoers? Or is it love for God? Am I biased against other human beings? Human beings whom the Lord created for his good pleasure? Or am I magnifying the Lord? 
by loving others. Are we hiding our light under a basket or are we shining it for the world to see? I got lots of questions for you today. These are questions that we should be asking ourselves. Because God has chosen his church to carry the message to a fallen world. We are his church. Just as God chose Israel, he chose Abraham, who lived in Chaldea, in Ur of the Chaldees, it says. Abraham was a Gentile, but God called him. And God chose Abraham. And God chose the great nation that came from Abraham. And he chose Israel to be his spokespeople on the earth. Well, Israel failed a lot, and we fail as a church a lot too. So I just want to encourage you, though, today, that today is a new day. And even though we've failed in the past, we can improve and go forth and carry the banner for Christ. Amen? That's what I want to encourage you to do today. You know, Moses told Joshua and the Israelites to be strong and courageous. God told Joshua, after Moses had died, to be strong and very courageous. King David told his son Solomon to be strong and courageous. The angel told Daniel to be strong, very strong. But how are we to be strong? Against whom do we need strength to withstand? Again, the Bible has the answer. If you've got a Bible, you have the answer. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have the answer residing in you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the politicians. No? Against the wiles of my neighbors. Against the wiles of those people who look different than me. Against the wiles of my brothers and sisters, or my pastor, or the car mechanic, or whoever it might be. Is that what it says? Is it up there on the... Can we put that up there again? This is verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against... Now we're going to say it all together. The wiles of the devil. Who is it? The wiles of the who? The, the who? The devil. Who's your enemy? Is flesh and blood your enemy? Okay, let's read on. Let's see if I think you got the answer right. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. And then God lists all the armor of God, all the items of the armor of God. And so when you get up in the morning, Paul says you got to put it on, right? you got to put it on. So that tells me that it's, it may not be on at all times. So put it on. It's an active work of obedience that we do. God provides it. 
So put it on. Because you need it. Amen? God wouldn't provide it and tell you put it on if you didn't need it. God's very efficient if you hadn't noticed. So, you know, I put my helmet on. Gonna mess up my hair, ladies, but you know what? It's okay, you need that helmet. I got my breastplate, protects my vitals, my belt, belt of truth. I got my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. I got beautiful feet. I'm ugly dancer, but I got beautiful feet, okay? God says I got beautiful feet. Hey, they smell like roses too. That's what I tell my granddaughter. Here, come on, smell. They smell like roses. She only did that once. <laughs> I got my shield of faith. I got the sword of the Spirit. I'm armed and ready. And what does it say at the end of this passage? Sometimes we leave this out. We stop with those pieces of armor and we neglect to read verse 18. And I don't think the, they have that back there, but just, just listen. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. There's lots of alls in there. Pray. How do you appropriate this armor? Through prayer. How do you win battles against the wiles of the devil? Through prayer. Are you doing your spiritual warfare? I'm asking another question to you. Are you doing spiritual warfare? Am I throwing gasoline on the fires of strife and division? Or am I ministering the gospel? Where's my energy going? Remember I asked you that a little while ago. Ask yourself again, where am I expending my energy? Am I praying for unity, for salvation, for advancement of the gospel, for righteousness to reign? How much energy am I expending on loving God and loving others? The two great commandments. Loving God and loving others. Now, how much do you pray? How much do you pray? Be willing to bet it's not enough. You know, and I'm preaching this message to you, but guess what? <laughs> God showed me this first. Just like Paul said, as I receive from the Lord, so I share it with you. Okay? So, the Lord has been working on my heart. And so, I thought, well, I'm a little weird, but I'm not that weird. There's other people kind of like me, some people. <laughs> so, I figured I'd share it. I got, I got something. I, I'm going to read this to you, okay? Uh, and, and then I'm going to ask you a question at the end. So pay attention. It's a little bit long, but I think you might be amused. And then when I tell, you know, ask you who it is, I want you to tell me who you think wrote this. I've never been good at praying. Prayer has always intimidated me, and prayer meetings used to rank just above septic tank maintenance on my list of least favorite responsibilities. And he's not a septic tank pump truck driver, the honey wagon driver. That's, that's, not, tr that's not who it is, all right? Just giving you a clue. I can trace my aversion to prayer meetings all the way back to college. My roommate Todd loved to pray and pray and pray. For Todd, the longer the prayers, the better. 
Several nights a week, Todd would invite people over for his infamously long prayer meetings. (laughs) Everyone who really loved God came. Of course, while those who didn't kept their distance. I was caught in the middle. I love God, but I despise those marathon prayer meetings. Without fail, the faithful would sit cross-legged in a circle and pray for hours. Sometimes I'd get so bored I'd doze off. (laughs) Good thing I had those amens stored up. That's what my wife often says, you know, if you're sitting in church and you happen to fall asleep and somebody catches you, you just wake up and say, amen. (laughs) The people who prayed were nice enough, but the whole hand-holding thing drove me crazy. When the petitions and pleas would gain momentum and the meeting started to heat up, some spiritual warriors displayed their fervor by tightening their grip. Tighter, amen, Lord, and tighter, hallelujah, and tighter. Many times it was my hand that was getting, my hand that was getting squeezed, and if I had forgotten to take off my sweet 1980s gold nugget ring, it would dig into my other fingers and leave nugget-shaped craters. (laughs) You'd whine too if you'd gotten the squeeze. Once when I asked God not to squeeze my hand so hard, he reminded me that Jesus suffered for me so I shouldn't complain. (laughs) Hand squeezers bothered me a lot, but not nearly as much as sweaters. No, I'm not talking about cardigans and pullovers. I mean people who sweat. (laughs) A lot. There's just something wrong about seeking God while holding a slimy hand that wants to slip out of your grip like a slippery fish. (laughs) So you can see why I was never that into prayer. I've always felt insecure praying out loud. I've never thought my prayers were were long enough, eloquent enough, or powerful enough. While some people's prayers, like my roommate Todd's prayers, sound fluid and effortless, mine sound more like a first grader praying for a sick hamster. If prayer were a sport and we were picking teams, let's just say I'd be the last guy picked. But why pray? Well, I know I'm not the only one who wasn't into prayer. Many Christian atheists, this might be given away who wrote this, many Christian atheists create long lists of reasons not to pray. From feeling we're not good at it, good enough at it, to being bored when we do pray, from not wanting to bother God with our small requests, to not thinking our prayers can actually make a difference. While these may seem like giant hurdles we can't get over, we can I personally shared each of these prayer obstacles in the face, and one by one, over time, God has changed my heart and my attitude toward prayer. Rather than viewing prayer as a mostly boring, often ineffective ritual, prayer has become the heartbeat of all I do. It can for you, too. Now, there's more there. In fact, this is a whole book. Does anybody know who wrote that? Craig Groeschel. Pastor's one of the largest churches in America. Great, great leader, great teacher, uh, uh, and a funny guy. But, you know, those things were true. And maybe they're true for you. And maybe they're true for me. But today, we can make a decision to change things. Because we don't really know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit will give us utterance, right? We pray in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help us to pray. Have you ever asked the Holy Spirit to help you when you pray? Do you ever pray in the Spirit? Amen. Me too. 
Because I know I don't know what to pray sometimes. But we've been called to imitate the Lord. Be imitators of God. The Lord Jesus prayed passionately and regularly. And we are to imitate him. There is no greater calling. No greater ambition than to imitate the Lord. There is no greater thing to do. One cannot imitate without first seeing God. One cannot see God without holiness and purity in heart. One cannot have holiness and purity of heart without being born again. And one cannot imitate God without knowing him. And how do you get to know him? Well, you know, it's in here. This is the Lagos, the Word of God. This is Jesus written down. It's a living Word. It's alive and power. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. Oh, yeah. It will divide and give you discernment. It's a powerful Word. It's a living Word. It is a living treasure. I'll bet you in my house, in our house... I'm just guessing this is probably one of 30 Bibles. And then on my phone, you know, we got access to about, what, hundreds more in all different languages and versions. The Bible is easily acceptable to, or, uh, accessible to all of us. And let me ask you another question. Where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Well, I'll answer it for you. I didn't hear anybody give an answer. So, your treasure is wherever your heart inclines. That's where your treasure is. Pastor Tim is uh, known for saying, you show me your calendar and your checkbook, and I'll know where your treasure is. That's pretty true. Your calendar and your checkbook. Where your heart is. And what is your treasure? Well, your treasure is what you make your first priority. And your treasure is what you love most. Your treasure is what or who you love most. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. The treasures in heaven that were these good works that we do, the things that were imitators of God by loving others and doing things for others and praising the Lord, you have an eternal reward for all that. And it can't be taken from you. It can't, it does not rust. It does not uh, wither away like, or erode or corrode like things on earth. Even gold has a half-life, and it will eventually break down. That's for you uh, nuclear physics students. I just, I just know that because I heard that once years ago when I wasn't paying much attention, but it stuck out. Half-life. What's a half-life? Well, look it up. And uh, use Google or something, look it up. Perhaps many of the citizens of this country would not have fallen away from God had there been more imitators of God in their lives. 
That was just something I had a thought. I watch TV. I watch the news. I don't know. Well, the news isn't what it used to be. It's not Walter Cronkite or Huntley and Brinkley. Uh, Those of you that are my age or maybe a little younger would remember who they are, where they reported the news. Whether they liked it or not, they reported the news. That was their but today, if you don't like the news, you just pick out what you don't like and you, you give your hearers or viewers what you want them to hear. Journalism is not the same as it was even 20 years ago, but especially 50 years ago. And so people are, you know, you see, you see everything. Uh, if you watch the TV, if you watch... I just came back from Portland, Oregon, and uh, we didn't go... We didn't go into the city to, to witness any of the stuff that's going on there. In many other cities in this nation, there's looting, there's hatred, there's stealing, uh, murders. All these things are going on, strife, chaos in our nation. But I wonder if we'd have shined the light of Christ more brightly, if some of those that are doing those very things wouldn't be in the church today. I think we failed. Many of us have failed by not living the life of Christ and shining our light. But we can change. And I think that we, by loving God and loving other people, this is what we ought to do. Be imitators of God. People cannot deny the love and goodness of genuine believers. Oh, they can deny it with their lips but you're planting seeds with those love and good works. You're planting seeds. And seeds eventually sprout and grow. The Bible says that I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. So we do our loving good works and then we leave the rest to God and let him nurture those seeds and they'll grow up and make a harvest, right? They'll produce a harvest, Consider these passages. Matthew 5.16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, when Jesus is talking about before men, he's talking about the unredeemed. Let your light so shine before the world, before the lost. They'll see that, and they'll take note of it. Even if it's a subconscious thing, they're taking note of it. You're planting a seed in them. And when the time comes, when that seed starts to germinate, produce a plant and some fruit, it might be somebody else that leads them to the Lord. Nevertheless, when you see them in heaven, they're going to come up and say, thanks so much for loving God and showing me that there is a loving God. You know? Amen? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are as workmanship. Now he's talking to the church. We are as workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Titus 3, 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Who's the men again? It's the world. And it's good for the church as well. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. 1 Peter 2, verse 12, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Your good works do not go to waste. It may seem like there's no return on your good works. I've been witnessing to that neighbor for 15 years, and he still dumps trash all over my lawn. His dog still goes in my yard. (laughs) You just keep going and let God give the increase. All right? God didn't say you go tell him one time and then that's it, you're done. No. It's a life of doing good works because we love God. (laughs) You know, most unbelievers don't spend much time reading the Bible. I sometimes wonder if believers spend much time reading the Bible. But they do read our testimonies, which are lived out through love and good works. This is how the seeds are planted. This is how the seeds are planted. You know, I pushed a guy out. of he, he, He's a new neighbor here last November. We had a big snowstorm. And I noticed that the, he had uh, missed his driveway. There was, I mean, the snow was deep. And uh, he had this little tiny car, and he got buried, and (laughs) he couldn't get out. I looked over, it looks like he might be stuck, you know, and I'm blowing my snow. And I look over there a few minutes later, yeah, he definitely stuck. So I shut my snowblower off. I go waddling over there with all my clothes on, and, and, uh, hey, how you doing, you know? My Steve, a neighbor over there, oh, are you the pastor? Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I am. First time I met the guy. He's only lived there for, I don't know, a couple months. How did he know that? Well, I'll tell you what. You may not think they're watching you. They're looking. They're seeing. They're observing what you're doing. They're watching you. They're watching you. That ought to cause us to want to do good works. Because remember, who are we representing? We've been called to do good works. We've been called to imitate God. And I'm just, gonna, I'm just majoring on a couple little things here. Love and good works. But there's a lot more to it. We are to imitate God as dear children. The, the Greek word here is agapetas. Anybody Catching that? Agape, Tosh. Everybody pretty much knows what agape is, right? It's unconditional love, divine love. Dear, beloved. We are to imitate God as beloved children. Because you are loved so much, our response to he who loves me is to love others. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The two great commandments, right? Amen? We respond to the loving kindness of our Savior and Lord. We're so enthralled and grateful to be His chosen ones, at least I hope so. We want to do His will. His love for us is very great. And you know what? We can do the best we can. I'll never love anybody like God loves me. I understand that. But I can 
strive and purpose to. I can try. God will help me. His love is so very great. Jesus gave himself for us. Isn't that what the scripture said? We're to walk in love just as Jesus who gave himself for us. And and Paul repeats that. This is verse 2 in Ephesians 5. But then he repeats it down in the great marriage passage in the same chapter. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might present to himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. We are the bride of Christ. And God loved us so much, he died for us. While we were even sinners, he died for us. So what's that say to you about those politicians or those liberals or those right-wing crazy people or anybody? Did you ever happen to think that the devil has blinded them to the truth? And they're just acting out because they don't know what the truth is, but you know the truth and you can share the truth with them and maybe they'll change. Hallelujah. That's a novel idea, right? I told you I'd be getting on your case today. This is all good though. It's all good. Our response should be to love and accept others even if they don't think or look like us. So we are to walk in love. We're to walk as loved children, and we're to walk in love. That word is agape. We are to imitate God by sacrificially loving others. We are to love even those who don't love us because love covers a multitude of sins. If I see any married couple here, if you've been married more than a week, that verse is very appropriate. Love covers a multitude of sins. We're sinners. We violate. We, we just do things we shouldn't do. But a lot of that stuff, we, you know, I mean, you've got to choose your battles, right? What I've learned, if your mate, if your spouse is doing something that aggravates you, most of the time, it ain't worth it. Just love them. Because God in Christ loves us. Just look at yourself. Look at yourself. Did you never sin? Did you not have one impure thought yet today? But God loves you and he gave himself for you. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Love is not proud or boastful. Love is kind. Love is patient. Love thinks no evil. Love accepts those who are different. Aren't all children different? We know that I know that my children are both different. They look kind of similar, but they're very different on the inside. Their personalities are different. If you've got children, they're different. I see Pastor Luke and Jen's children. They're all different. They all got different personalities. Even twins, identical twins. I know identical twins, uh, some, some fishing buddies of mine. But they're different. For years, I couldn't even tell them apart. <laughs> and I call him M because one's Mike and one's Mark. Hey, M, for fear of being wrong. <laughs> I know him a lot better, and you know, they've changed a little bit over the years, and I know him. But I still don't know my, my identical twin neighbor. Uh, my neighbor has identical twins. Her sons are, you know, what, 40, in their 40s, maybe getting close to 50. I don't know. 
And it's still hard for me these days, because I don't see them that much, to tell them apart. But when I'm with them, they're different. All children are different. People are different than you. We are to love them because God loves us. Love forgives readily. Amen, Pastor Luke? Pastor Luke uh, gave a great message this morning. Look it up. If you weren't here, you can go into the Cornerstone Highland uh, website and look in the podcasts. It will be posted within the next few days. And listen to that message. Great message. Very encouraging. Encouraging for me. I hope this message is encouraging for you, even though I'm kind of the, I'm, you're getting casered, okay? <laughs> but this is the will of God for all of us, to imitate God. There's no chance for racial unity without the love of Christ motivating us to come together. There's no chance. A deep-rooted love in our hearts will empower us and encourage us to treat others as we want to be treated. It all hinges on imitating God as dear children. We must walk in love. It's the only language to which the entire human race responds positively. We must walk in love. And let me remind you, the enemy, who's the enemy? The wiles of the? He's the enemy. And do you get up in the morning, put all your armor on, and then go out? I'm going to go look for the devil so I can kick his behind today. Don't do that. You don't want to do that. He's a worthy foe, but greater is he is in you than he is in the world. But man, I'm not going, the Bible doesn't tell me to go look for the devil and strike, uh, start a fight with him. I'll tell you what, you want to fight the devil? Then go do something for God. You go love somebody. You go preach the gospel. You want to meet the devil? You go do something for God and he'll be right in your face, I guarantee it. You don't have to go looking for him. He'll come looking for you. And you wear it as a badge of honor. Then you can stand. With that armor on, I'm standing against you, devil. Come on. The Lord is on my side. Like David said against that uncircumcised Philistine, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? God delivered that lion and that bear, and he's going to deliver you too. Yes. Let's love others. It's the enemy that we need to fight. And we do that through prayer. We do that through fasting. That's how the demons were cast out. Some only come out by prayer and fasting. How much prayer and fasting are you doing? I'm just asking you. Because the more you do, oh yeah, you'll get distractions. You'll get the devil coming at you. And you're going to have some resistance. I tell you what, you're storing up treasures in heaven. And heaven and eternity is a whole lot longer than this life we're living here. It's a whole lot longer. And you're going to enjoy those gifts or those treasures forever. Forever. They don't corrode or rot or go away. They're there forever for you to enjoy. While we're all there praising the Lord. Praising the Lord. Amen. Can we praise the Lord today? Thank you, Lord. So be imitators of God. Amen.
I just want you to, uh, to understand that we can do this because His Spirit lives within us. And this is what He wants us to do. Let's be kind and gentle. Let's esteem others above ourselves. I'm concluding this message, and uh, in doing so, I want to just uh, ask you to bow your head and just think. Are you strong and courageous? There may be some here today that, oh, Pastor Steve, I don't even have the strength. I'm just tired. I'm worn down. I'm sick. My body's racked. I'm old. I got all kinds of issues. May I encourage you and say you're not alone? And may I encourage you to, to say that the Lord sees it? So at this time, I want you to just ask the Lord to deliver you from these things. Say, dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Encourage me. Deliver me. I know you've got a purpose for me. I want to imitate you. I'm one of your children. You died for me. Now I die for you. I crucify this flesh that I might live by the power of the Son of God. Give me a greater measure of your Holy Spirit. Help me to pray. Teach me to pray. Give me the words as I pray. Answer my prayers. Make me a good ambassador for you that I might carry the banner of Jesus wherever I go. And my testimony, or the other's testimony when they see me will be, that person has been with Jesus. And then maybe there's someone here that's never given their life to Christ. I just want to give you this opportunity to believe on the Lord today. Everybody's eyes are closed. Will you just do me a great favor? I'm telling you, this is for you. This can be your spiritual birthday. On the count of three, if you've never been born again, or if you have drifted away and you need the Spirit of God to come into you and restore you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand, okay? Nobody's going to embarrass you. I'm not going to even ask you to come forward. I just want you to be honest with yourself and with God. Just say, Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Write my name down in the book of life. I'm going to serve you from here on out. I love you, Lord. Thank you for dying for me. In Jesus' name. Now, as I count to three, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, just let me know, okay? One, Jesus saved you. Two, you got the Spirit of Christ in your heart. Three, raise your hand. Let me see. I see one hand. I see one hand. Thank you. Thank you. You may put it down. I see another hand over here. Thank you very much. Awesome. 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 You did a great thing. Your life will never be the same. What I'm going to ask you now is there's, we have uh, Mike and Sue over here. They're ministers. They can give you some great resources. So after we dismiss, Mike and Sue, will you stand up? Please come see Mike and Sue, okay? If you raise your hand, 
and they're gonna bless you and your life will never be the same. Let's give them a round of applause. Amen. Worship the Lord and then we can be dismissed.